from. The title of the talk uh, this evening I was going to call Simple, Direct, Immediate, Silent, and Mysterious. <laughs> but then I thought, oh, nobody's going to want to hear that. <laughs> so I'm calling it Always and Forever. That's nice. Nice title. I should stop now while I'm ahead. <laughs> so <clears throat> I have a quote. And the reason, this may be the last time I started Dharma Talk with a quote, but the reason I've been doing that is that uh, it focuses immediately. It, there's a, a focus. When you hear the truth uh, in ancient, from ancient times forward, uh, for me, and it resonates so deeply as to our own realization, you know the quote is alive. Whoever wrote that quote is alive. And it just happens to be from the Buddha, so we can pretty much have confidence that the person was alive. I mean, awake by, is what I mean. Uh, and also, the other reason I do it is because from a quote like that, that you, there's realization behind, it's often a packaged, it's packaged. You know, uh, in the old days in computers, they had a stuff it, and stuff it expander and you take a file and you'd stuff it make it real condensed and then you'd apply the counter and it would spring to life you know do people understand what I'm talking about no (laughs) it was the early days of computers (laughs) anyway the point is that it um, these quotes uh, uh, can be expanded out can be can become much more than their stated their stated reference. And I'm going to spend a little time showing how this quote has, although it's very simple, holds that kind of potential for expansion. Uh, so, uh, and it's, it's, it's almost uh, like a secret teaching. You know, I you, you always uh, wondered whether he was, there was some hidden message in some of the things he said that would, for uh, the for the people who came after him could extrapolate. And I often think these little quotes hold the archived uh, uh, principle of that secret teaching. Uh, they're sort of treasures. So anyway, here's the, here's the quote. It's from the Mahajima Nikaya 113, if anybody wants to look it up. Non-identification with anything has been declared by the Buddha. For in whatever way one conceives, the fact is other than this. <laughs> okay. So the first question I would have, he doesn't usually use the word non-identification. In fact, I'm not sure that was the right translation, but he usually uses non-clinging. Okay. But non-clinging for the, um, for the beginning student feels like something you're doing. I'm doing non-clinging. You know, okay, don't cling to that. We scold ourselves if we find ourselves uh, identifying with what's going on and infusing it with new energy. Just don't cling. You know, but that's, that's a, self, uh, a, a, a self-made muscle. And he's not saying that. And so I'm hoping this is the right 
terminology because it fits so well. And even if it's not, it fits well. Okay, that's where you bring your own realization forward into the quote. Non-identification with anything has been declared by the Buddha for whatever way one conceives the fact is other than that. That's a treasure. There's a treasure there. So let's just look at what that treasure feels like when it's dug up. Non-identification essentially says when you're not infusing your own concepts in self into what is what is conceived. So when we're looking at something, what we normally do is infuse our history and memories with that object. And so it has a longitudinal reference for us. A past I've set on Zabutans, maybe that not that specific Zabutan, but certainly things that look like that or and I know its purpose and reference. Okay. That's identification. That's identifying with the object and with that that's the fact that we go that we live with. We live with that fact of knowing what that is. Now what we don't realize with equal certainty is that we're also infused with ourselves in the moment of that identification. We become what we have known ourselves to be and what we have known of the world. That's what we are as an individual self. An individual self is the confluence of memory with identification of that memory in terms of self. Now to know something like that, you have to pull back and have a consideration of that. That's why there seems to be a distance between the self and the thing it's seeing between itself and the memory it's projecting onto that. And that distance creates this, the, a sense of certainty about what that is, but also safety, that that thing is safe for me to sit on, and that it's a pleasant. It's pleasant. It's comfortable. It's cushy. It feels nice. So all of that arises with the identification of that object. But that object doesn't hold that. I hold that. And that's me arising within the nature of the projected nature I give to that object. The Buddha says the fact is other than that. And we do that with everything all day long. That's why when you look around, everything is known. Look around. Everything is known to you. Nothing is unknown. At the same time, you, as a person who's been here either the first time or many times, oh yeah, I know what this is. And everywhere our mind alights, concepts flourish. And when concepts flourish, I flourish in my longitudinal history with the idea of trees being in my life since I can remember. And so the sense of I is exactly created from the identification with objects. No wonder he's telling us that the fact is other than that. Because that is how form is formed. The fact being other than that means that what we have infused in objects 
to make it form. The truth is that they don't hold that language, that memory, and they are essentially formless. That's the fact that cannot be conceived. For whatever way one conceives, whatever way I inject form, the formless with my reference to the past, that makes it a form. But the fact of what that is is other than that. You see how this, you see, it's just like, whoa, this is a treasure. Oh man, where is he? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I, when you take this thing and blow it out, it's so full. But we, we don't, like, like when you first, uh, non-identification with anything, uh, yeah, good, that's a good quote, well, what's, that's the next thing. It's like we don't, we don't spend time with it. We don't let it bring its full maturity of understanding into our lives. And that's just, I'm not sure there isn't much more beyond that. There probably is. So it's all around us, you see. It's not in a few places. It's whether you stop long enough to be able to see what is occurring within this place. And statements like that help us acknowledge the fact that we always live with, that make the world so embellished. And as I, we have both mentioned, that embellishment has its rub on us over time because we bring time into it. Now this, okay, so I'm just going to go, it's, it gets a little bit refined, a little bit conceptual here, but just see if you can stay with me on this. So this, for, to me, asks me to explore and inquire into time because it's time that I'm infusing those objects with. Right? I, my memory is time, what I remember it to be. So I'm infusing objects to make them something with time. So just go step by step here. I'll let that one settle in because this is not an easy understanding. But it also piggybacks on Narayan's beautiful talk yesterday about the themes that we carry within us over time. This just goes more into the non-personal. Now, so time, for many of us, we've looked at our thoughts and we see that our thoughts contain the memory traces of, of time. And that also our thoughts, when we have a thought about the past or about the future, those are thoughts. There's not a past and a future. There are just thoughts about the past and the future. And we bring them into some kind of conclusion about the truth that there is a path and a future when they've only been contained in a thought. So that's a pretty easy insight to have. And if you haven't had it, you should watch time within your thoughts. Just see whether, where time exists. Because when you're talking about conceptualization of an object, you're talking about inviting that object into time. 
because through memory, through I remember having done this with this and in the future I'll use one again. And if you take that conceptualization out of the object, the fact is other than that. It's timeless. It's still. It's quiet. Because it is the motion of time that we have now invested into the world which hides the absolute stillness which is our essence. So to get back to our essence, we have to release time. We're just approaching this from a different When we talk about now as being the only reference, it's not the now that's locked in between the forever of the future and the hardness of the past. It's not that limited now that we try to manage our way in to, where we can settle in before the future takes over our thinking and we're propelling ourselves forward or we're lost in the regrets and and the uh, besieged thoughts of how awful we've been in the past. It doesn't play well in the mind because we have a sense of that it's all our fault anyway in this culture. And so the play of the past upon our thoughts just makes us smaller less able to grow, less, less inclusive. And now we have to get over the psychological impact our thoughts have had on us by trying to work them out in the future. And it doesn't succeed, or it only succeeds partially, because we're constantly rejoining the next thing we've done wrong with the whole package that we have to get right. Now you can jump out of that. But you've got to realize where you're going to land when you do so. You're going to land in a forever now. In the always and forever of now. And you aren't going to be able to carry yourself along (laughs) <laughs> because you're an idea that you've infused with the past and the future, and that's gone in the forever of now. So what do you, you do you want to come? <laughs> so you say, I'm not sure I want to lose myself. Now listen, because this has to do with the guided meditation we're going to be going into. You don't. A newborn child lives within the forever of now. Right? You ever see them? But they have... (laughs) That's pretty good, wasn't it? (laughs) 
She knows I'm thinking. So, existence is the forever of now. Key point. (laughs) All of existence. When we join the forever of now, we join all of existence. It's all, it's all. That's why it's so radical from the normal way that we behave and move through the world because we, our sense of now is the very sliver of time between the past and the oppressive future. When we see it as the forever of now, it brings out the entire world to our to our realization. It brings in the entire world to our realization. Can't you hear the forever? But we're afraid of losing ourselves. But what we lose is our egoic self. The child doesn't have an ego, so it can sit there and bathe, and mom will take care of me or father, and it's fine. But it has to find a self-consciousness in order to survive in the thingness of the world. You need that time element in order to know that that's a door and that's a window, and I need to open it, et cetera, et cetera. You need to know the functionality of the world. The forever of now can exactly match the functionality. It does not throw it out of place. It is both always, forever, and momentary. This is important because many people scare themselves away from selflessness because they think they're going to vanish. Well, what you vanish into is delight, joy. <clears throat> and you bring that joy back into the functionalities of the world. Now, if that sounds like a hideous trip, well, <laughs> you should pack your bags. This ain't the right place for you. <laughs> it's not. But we need to know how the door that opens in that direction and then be able to infuse our energies towards the discoveries, the realizations that unlock the key. Hearing it from me is not the realization, not necessarily, although you could be realizing right now as we speak. And that's what usually happens or can happen during a talk is that that realization begins to open you to your own truth in a realized way. And I think that's what happened to the young woman the other day. But you can also be pondering what I'm saying. Let me think about that. Well, okay. (laughs) It's like my baby is crying. Let me think about what she might need. 
Now she's screaming. Well, the urgency is getting more. Let's see, what, do, what should I do? No, you go to the child and do whatever you need to. And so, too, we have to feel that over-empowered sense of love for the direction we need to take and respond to the crying within ourselves, the suffering within ourselves that we have lived with, to be appropriate. So it's realization. It's the actual, and I, I don't know a good, it gets into the cells of your body, into the bones. That's realization. When there's not, you don't have to rethink it or rediscover it or reflect upon it because opening your eyes, the perception is there. And then you carry it with you as a truth, not as a reflection. So let's look at some of the implications of a life without time, a practice without time. At least you may still feel very much in time, but if you know that the practice leads to the end of time, that says a lot about the way we practice. What does it say? (laughs) This is where the list comes in. (laughs) It's simple. It's simple. If I add more concepts to my practice, I'm going backward. I just want to stay me knowledgeably. I want to be knowledgeable in my meditation and maybe be a teacher. I'll be a meditation. So I'll be a meditation. That's what I'll do. Well, that's fine, except you're far away from the forever of time. So we build up new concepts for ourselves to distance ourselves from the prize. And we like the complexity of it, because then I have to figure it out. And And let me tell you what I figured out, right? So there's an ego enhancement and being able to be complex and then somehow come to the truth. Except we don't come to the truth. We come to a spouting narrative about the truth. We don't live it. So simple means just that. This is direct. This is a direct, this is direct. That's why I call it a transmission. There's not... There's nothing in the way of this. (laughs) If I started, or we started talking about the different, you know, and then you do this, then you'd like have lost the energy that the directness takes. Simple, direct, immediate. I really grew up thinking that... uh, Awakening was many lifetimes away. In fact, that's, I, do, I remember reference, references that just go sit by the tree and open yourself to the possibility, but don't expect it to come for lifetimes. That tree will have many generations before you are awake. Something like that. I said, well, I might as well go sit by the tree. It's better than not sitting by the tree and waiting to sit by the tree, I guess. 
<laughs> Simple. Direct. Immediate. This is, how, this is how you know you're on the right path. If it's not simple, if it's complex, if it's not direct, I have to go here, then go there, circle back around, come back around, and then I'll find myself. We're off. If it's not immediate, silent. Simple, direct, immediate, silent. It can't be found in my words. It can't be found in my narrative. It can't be found in all the ways I move through the world with my dialogue, monologue. This is out of time. And you begin to see, once you see through time, that it's only the mind that's ever moved. Nothing else has moved. That which is, is still and always. It's only the mind that's moving through that stillness. And we hook our caboose onto the train of that movement and just let it pull us right along with the tracks. And we hope at some point to jump off. But it's going too fast. <laughs> or I like the ride. Man, this is great scenery. I'm jumping off there. That looks like an abyss. I'm not going there. And that sense of it being an abyss, the fear of annihilation, is something that many of us have that backs us up, backs us away from the real potentials that this path has. I decide I don't care what it brings, or my, because whatever it brings, I'm going to just go, come what may. So it wasn't, uh, yeah, and I felt the fear of annihilation. I'll just be patient. Patience melts all of time. You, pay, not patient, not waiting patience. I'll, I'll just wait through. That's not patience. That's impatience, trying to be patient. <laughs> it's like, okay. Fear's too much, okay. And then it's not too much. Because patience will dissolve form. Because patience is formless. It has no constriction. It ha- it's, take your time. Take all the time you want. I'm, this is it. You see, there's no rushing there. If you meet the timeless with time, fear is time. Fear is not what's happening to me now, but what I expect to happen, projected onto the future. So if I meet fear with patience, guess which one wins? Well, fear wins. No, it doesn't. Wrong. <laughs> so let patience take you to the timeless. All of the paramis have that in the heart of their hearts, the timeless. So just pit whatever is obstructing with infinity. Infinite patience. You don't take your eyes off and go do something else. You stay there with it.
desire. See, all of these, the, I mean, we're talking about the Four Noble Truths here. Desire is time. What? Something I don't have now that I want in the future. And I'm projecting out how good it'll be when I can obtain it. That's using time to your advantage. But there's a, you're suffering until you get it. And even when you get it, you're going to suffer. Because it's not going to be what you remembered it. Never. Okay, that's, that's for you to figure out. But it's, you, you start looking at these things. You start examining them. You start, okay, what is desire in me? I can feel desire. You, you go to the actual experience, not thinking about it. You bring your attention, quiet attention, to the sense of being desirous. That's using your mind for your liberation, but not the thinking mind, the pointing, the focused attention. Okay, desire, let's see what, or fear. Let's just see what it is. And you begin to hear what comes out of when you're focused quietly on desire. Desire speaks to you. I want. I want, it says. Or I don't want, which is fear. So it comes back in and your mind says, oh, I see. So desire is wanting something that's not here. Fear is afraid of having what the future might project, might be. And then you begin to say, but where's time? It says desire and fear is establishing the basis on which time exists, but is it existent? What is time? It's in my thought. For God's sake, it's a past thought, a future thought. But without that thought, where is time? That which holds time is still Simple, the essence, direct, immediate, and mysterious. I love that last one. It's so beautiful. It brings you, I mean, don't you like mystery stories? (laughs) Why? Because they're enticing the heart. Like, you know, if this is all just book stuff, I mean, even if you're knowledgeable, you're not so interested in what you already know. You're interested in moving that forward into the area that you don't know. That's the same thing in meditation. If you just stay with what you know in your complacent sitting practice, and I don't mean that as a derogatory term, but it can be very complacent, very sameness. If you're not staying on your edge, moving towards the mystery, because the mystery is now. The mystery is going to show you itself. An everlasting wonder. All these Christian words, everlasting life. That's what we're talking about, everlasting. You can begin to hear, just as these quotes from from Buddhism, you begin to hear something more to those words, which move you, oh, everlasting life. That's what he was talking about. I know that. I know that one. He, Christ said, the kingdom of heaven is spread across the land, but nobody can see it. Right? 
because we're too interested in what the land contains. I got to plant corn over there. <laughs> got to cut that grass. <laughs> Spiritual? No, grass needs cutting. <laughs> So we want to ask conscious shifting questions. Questions that radically change our focus. See, we usually ask questions from the sense of self because that's an established thing that we dare not question. I'm here, period. That's it. That's all I want to know. I'm here, period. But we rarely ask questions about the sense of self because that undermines our ground. Who am I? But that's the way you get to the mystery. (laughs) You're digging the wrong hole otherwise. What is this? It's not a what is this. It's not an empty... It's not just a what is it. It's it's like something that really deeply you yearn to know. And you want it... And you want to know so bad that you won't add anything to what is seen. So you face it with stillness and quiet. What is this? What's going on? Let me look. And what's going on may take you to a particular problem you're having. It could be psychological, it could be anything, but you want to know. So you're quiet with it, like you're quiet with your young child to figure out why the child is crying. You have a moment in which there's true relationship. And then it springs forth. The answer, the answer, it's amazing. You ask, somewhere it says knocking the door open. You ask and that will be given to you. Nobody's hiding this thing from you. It's our resistance to truth. And when you really want to know through curiosity, that resistance ends and the truth comes to you. It doesn't, there's no hiding here. There's nobody saying, Okay, how many fingers am I having behind my back? There's no way of knowing that. <laughs> so, let me just let me So, let's just ask a provocative question. Am I having problems with my thought? Yes, I'm having problems with my thought. If we're honest, we're having problems with our thought. Okay. Now you say, now you want, you want to undermine that perspective. Is awareness having trouble with my thoughts? Now you have to be still, because you're just babbling, to hear, what, see, to sense whether awareness, that which holds the thought, is having trouble with the thought that's being thought. It's having no trouble with it whatsoever. See, there's there's a momentary glimpse and a repositioning, not of you, but of, of the listening. From being inside, being annoyed with thinking, to being that which holds the thinking and hearing no conflict, See, sensing no conflict between what is hearing the thinking 
and the thinking itself. Now, from day one in Buddhism, we learn that if we're moving towards less conflict, we're moving in the right direction towards less suffering. And if awareness holds the thought but is not in conflict with the thought, or holds all things and is not in conflict with it, then we're moving in a wise direction to end suffering. So why not join that which is not suffering? Instead of me, who is always in conflict with everything and will continue to suffer, as long as I have established myself as the truth of where this practice goes and tries to carry myself along with it. This has got to (laughs) end. The end of suffering. Let's go to that. Why make this harder? Remember, it's simple. (laughs) Forgot that. Why does it take so long? Because we don't want to leave ourselves behind. We want to be the one that acknowledges our awakening. We want to be there for the great event. (laughs) So we pull ourselves along. Get in the back seat, would you? I don't care if you're in your trunk. It's still too much of you. (laughs) And it also means becoming powerless. That's a hard one. That's a hard one. Where you see that your will, your seeking, doesn't do anything but add more of the same in the path. It just keeps putting boulders on a on the path you're seeking. I gotta go here. I gotta go there. That's just bringing time into the timeless. It's not here now, so I've got to go seek it somewhere, and then bring that back, and and see what I desire now to do, or who I need to listen to, or all of it. When it's self-contained, this whole journey is self-contained. Seeking. When you realize that what you're seeking is the direct, immediate, simple astonishment of your essence. What are you seeking? So that ends. That just ends. It falls away. You don't... You may not have actualized it, but you know that it's not a a derivation. It's not something that this and then this and then that. It's a direct experience. So we have to pause and decide how far we want to go with this. How much do you want to keep yourself, your egoic self? Not your existence. Your existence never dies. It's a forever existing. 
We just have to find our way into it through releasing the cover-up. All the blankets we've put upon ourselves to keep us warm. We're afraid of being cold. We're afraid of being isolated. We're afraid of being destitute. doesn't happen. Existence holds none of those traits. Now let's for a moment just be still and feel that stillness. Feel our home. Okay, all. Thank you for your time. Can we be quiet for a moment or two? So now you're going into a walking period and I'm going to add a new preposition. You've walked with awareness. That's mindfulness. I'm walking with awareness. You've walked within awareness, which is establishing awareness is more fundamental than the sense of you who is in movement. That's walking with awareness that which holds you. Now, the preposition is as, as, as. I'm going to walk as awareness. So there's no distance between myself and the awareness that holds me. And you just feel it in your body. Don't make it into a subject-object question. Make it into a completely subjective experience. let the awareness that is be seen as infusing because it does infuse everything. Don't distance it. Don't try to see it. Just let yourself be it and walk with it as it. Don't get frustrated if that's difficult to do. Don't let yourself agonize it over it problematically. You're no more... separate from it than the Buddha was, is. Just give yourself time. Patience, patience. Okay, I'll just be patient with this. I have no idea what he says. It sounds all cockeyed. No one's ever told me that in the history of my say, I've been sitting 20 years. No one's ever told me that. He's wrong. Don't do that. (laughs) I'm not wrong. (laughs) I'm sure everybody says that. It just so happens that I'm right. (laughs) 
fun. Have fun. <laughs> Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.